0: Hello, brothers and sisters, Pastor Jason here. I'm excited to be here with you on this episode. I kind of want to turn the tables on this episode, and I want to talk to you about something a little different. On the last two episodes, I spoke about uh, different types of codependency, different types of struggles and Bible models that we use when counseling someone. One of those Bible models being Jonah, the other Bible model being Solomon, one being the more aggressive type of personality, and one being the passive. So one being the passive, one being the aggressor. Solomon, of course, being the aggressor, and Jonah being the passive, and how those different types of Bible models can teach us how we ought not to be, not how we should be. But I kind of want to turn the table because on that, there were actually six different Bible models, basic Bible models. There are others, you know, being with Sarah and Saul and some of the other ones that we need to talk about. But I wanted to stop here just kind of in the middle of that and discuss, first of all, not what we're not supposed to be like, because that's what we've been talking about in the past two episodes. But let's talk about what we should be like. I think that can be a problem sometimes as you dive into biblical problems and problems with people and personality. And by the way, that can be a struggle for some of you that actually help people on a day-to-day basis because you will be helping people that are struggling and that are hurting. And it seems like, so what is the answer? So I wanted to drop this nugget in here about the answer. How do we change that? How are we going to change ourselves? First of all, I know some of you already picked up on that. We know we can't change ourselves, but how is God going to change us? What's that look like? See, that's the the types of things that I think about. So what do we need to do? What are we reaching for? What's this whole Christian life? What's our motivation? So that's what I want to talk about, about our motivation. How's this work? How do we not be like Solomon? How do we not be like Jonah? How do we not be like Sarah? How do we not like be like King Saul? How do we do these things? And the answer is very simple. We're to be motivated by grace and motivation by grace isn't easy. There's been so much talk on this topic and, you know, it's kind of with a new world that we're living in with a new progressive Christianity, if you will. And that's not a, a positive word to me is progressive is that this whole idea, this whole thing of grace can kind of scare us because it's like, you know, really, if we teach grace or talk about grace, then people just want to live however they want. That's the first modern misconception. But the truth is, if a person's really been saved by by grace in the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. We're worried if people really believe that it's just grace, that then somehow that's going to hurt them. That's not at all true. The truth is a lot of people that try to make grace for an excuse to sin, they're not saved anyway. Well, you heard it here first, but I'm just saying they're just not, they haven't understood. If you see that Jesus Christ went to a cross and died for your sin, and nails were drove through his hands, and he was beaten past any other man, the worst brutal beating that we've ever seen, and I believe ever seen since, to the point of even death, and that he was so burdened for the lost world and for this calling that he sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. If you see that, and you understand that, and it was your sin that nailed him to the cross, and you still want to find an excuse for sin, then friends, I would challenge you that you may not be saved in the first place. But having said that, on the other side of the coin, there are many Christians that do believe in Jesus Christ, that do have a genuine faith, that don't have the internal motivation that it takes to live this Christian life in victory. And how do we do that? We do it by grace we are saved by grace through faith i said ephesians chapter 2 tells us here's what the apostle paul said in romans chapter 7 verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual but i am carnal sold under sin for that which i do i allow not for what i would that i do not but what i hate that i do if then i do that which i do not i consent unto the law that is good now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. It kind of sounds like he's placing the blame on someone else, but he's not. He's saying, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, or he's saying to will or to want to. The want to do right is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. And so within himself, what he's saying is, is within himself, he cannot do it. He cannot make this thing. Christian life happened because he keeps doing the things he hates that he does not want to do. So he hates those things. So how does he do it? He's motivated by grace then. And he he goes on down to the bottom. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, verse 24, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He said, I'm such a carnal, weak, Sinful person. I'm sold into sin. There's sin that still dwells in me. See, that's the sin that was imputed to us from Adam, our edemic nature, our human nature that we have. We have that at birth all the way through, and we come to knowledge of that through the law of God. He says, But who shall deliver me from this sin? And then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with a mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So he understands that he thanks God through Jesus Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, I thank God that he went to the cross for me and died, that I may have life and life more abundantly. He went and died for my sin when I could not accomplish the law, when I couldn't do all the check marks, when I couldn't say, okay, I got to do this right and this right and this right and this right and this right. And I did all the check marks, but I missed that one at the bottom. Then God fixes that bottom check mark and says, I have. Prove of you. See, that's the grace it takes to live the Christian life. Friends, I tell people this all the time. If I didn't believe that God was graceful, I would have gave up in the first two weeks because I came from such a far place with God. I was alienated from God and anyone, no matter what their life looks like, without Jesus Christ and by, without faith, they're alienated. But I came so far, I had to, I had to struggle to get to be the place. And by the way, I still have great days of struggle but I have to depend and lean on the cross. I don't use the cross as a crutch. I use the cross as a foundation for my life. It, the, Jesus and his sacrifice is the only thing. And then when the devil comes against me and he accuses me and says, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. You're not worthy. I say, devil, you're right. But I take him to the cross and say, this is where my sin was paid. This is what makes me d- to where I am worthy. I was not worthy, but made worthy by the blood of the I am. And that's grace motivated. That's when we get a deep conviction. We know that we obtain grace. We obtain it. We, it is our, the Bible says this Romans chapter 5, verse 2, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's that mean? It says, so if we want to access grace, we just truly believe. We just trust God that He's graceful because of the work He did on the cross. And, and our faith goes and cannot pass the, the cross. We look to the cross because that's that's where the work was done. All, hey, every single thing, every single accusation, every single time the devil accuses us, we take him to the cross and we say, by faith, I receive it. How do we do it? The same way our patriarch Abraham did. It says by faith, he was saved by faith. It was by faith. Abraham looked forward to the cross, looked forward to the Messiah coming and he said, and then the Bible says, but it was imputed to him for righteousness. So if Abraham looked toward the cross and it was imputed to him for righteousness, it accounted to him. He was accounted. It was declared. That word there is like when you, when a judge takes the gavel and hits the gavel on the desk and says, case dismissed, you know, court dismissed, it's over. He's made his judgment. And so when he imputed us for righteousness, he accounted us. He, he hit the gavel and said, you are righteous justified we're justified by grace through faith because we believe in that judgment so we're looking back toward the cross we're saying that i believe that the sacrifice that jesus did on the cross covered all my sin and it's imputed to me for righteousness i don't know about you but that makes me feel better Because I don't have to prove myself every day. You see, that's what people are afraid of. They're afraid if we tell people about grace, I say people, there's not hundreds, but there's many people I've come across. And it's like, if we tell people that, then they'll go out and they'll just mess things up. Well, let me tell you about me. I can't speak for you. I can't speak even for the multitude, but I can speak about me. When I know that God loves me and that I can trust in grace, it does not make me want to rebel and do bad it makes me want to embrace the things of God and be changed by his glory. And that's what even scripture said in Romans chapter five, verse two, it says, wherefore we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory. What's glory? The glory is the manifestation of God, the high opinion of God. We stand and we rejoice. See, that's what grace does to us. It makes us rejoice. I can fall on my face in the mud and mess things up but know that when i get up the grace washes me off and all i gotta do is trust and believe and say lord i'm sorry i messed up see if the devil ever gets a foothold and convinces you that you're not worthy and you somehow try to stand on your own two feet and say i am worthy i've done this i tithe i go to church i go to bible study i do this i do that and see he's got you right where he wants you you're trying to prove yourself by your works but he said in the last scripture i said in ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 it goes on down to said but we are saved by grace through faith and that's not of yourselves it is the gift of god lest any man should boast see the devil's ploy is to try to get you to boast that you've done some good things do you know that our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags? We There's none righteous, no, not one. And that used to really bother me and make me feel bad, but I praise God in that because now I realize it makes it level at the foot of the cross. And see, now I can live my Christian life motivated by grace. See, I can believe in living right and living holy and doing the right thing and abstaining from things like alcohol, abstaining from things uh, that, that are sinful in our lives, abstaining from these sin of adultery and these sins of fornication. I can believe in that and trust in that. But then at the same time, I can also see, I can hold two thoughts at the same time. I can believe to live holy, but at the same times know that I can fail. Do you know there's people that are not in Christ, that are not saved, that live a life that probably, if you compared it to some Christians, and maybe even I would say many Christians, their life looks a lot better. But do you know that person without Jesus Christ, they're on their way to hell? It doesn't matter how good they treat everyone. It doesn't matter how perfect they are because without Jesus Christ, their righteousness is filthy rags. And I say that to say this, my friend, if you will adapt this idea that you're motivated by grace, see, I'm not a servant of God. I don't have to run around and, and be ready to work and work and labor. Sure, our work is labor. Sure, the ministry's is labor. The, the, I mean, just life is labor, but I don't have to run around all the time being beat down like some just measly little servant. But you know what, I can embrace that I'm a son of God. You can embrace you are a daughter of God and I can embrace that knowing he loves me. And when I, when I have that type of a relationship with Christ, it changes me for the better, not for the worse. It doesn't make me want to go out and mess up. It does the opposite. When I realize that he loves me no matter what, it makes me want to serve him that much more. It makes me want to live that much more holy. That's what being motivated by grace is. And friends, I live some of my life under condemnation and I'm, and I at times have fallen back into that idea to try to prove myself. But I know the scripture says now that his mercies are new. Every morning, every morning, every time I wake my head up, I got another day in the kingdom of God to do things right. And I believe this, that's the only true thing that changes people. You can white knuckle it and say, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to chew or hang around the girls that do. But the bottom line is, if you're doing it in your own strength, you will fail. You'll fail because it won't last. Listen, you can hang on to a rope for a long time. Some of you pretty strong people, but eventually you'll start to weaken and eventually you start to let go and eventually you fall. But the grace of God that holds you will hold you and hold you and hold you. And I believe that I believe the grace of God can hold us. We have a problem with people that aren't saved that want to try to be justified and say, oh, well, we all sin, but that's not the problem. You know, I don't deal with a lot of those people, to be honest with you. I deal with people many times under condemnation and, and it, see, it's not the church's fault. I've heard people try to blame the preacher, blame the church. No, it's the devil's fault. He's accusing people. He's just hes old sloth, but, you know, just like in Adam and Eve's case, they, he gets them to sin and then convinces them that they're a loser because they sin. But do you know if we believe that we're loved, we're fearfully, wonderfully made, he knows every hair on our head, he knows even the sparrows, and he loves them. How much more? He even knows the lilies, and he knows how they toil. But how much more does our God know us? And if we know that? And we receive that and know that he loves us in spite of ourselves. It will change us for the better. We will will turn our mourning into rejoicing. And I do believe in repentance. I can say it over and over again. I do believe in falling on your face before an all-sufficient God and crying out to God. But I also believe that I can trust when I go to him that he's going to forgive me again and again. Again and again he's going to forgive me. And that's the kind of grace that changes people had a good friend of mine years ago say, you know, I said, you know, I need to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. He said, be careful. He said, cause it sounds like you're falling under the law. And I didn't even know what that meant at the time, but I was, you know, cause I had, you know, quit drinking and, you know, I'd quit cussing to the most degree at that time in my life. Praise God. That's been years ago, but I'd done pretty good. And he said, just be careful because a relationship with Christ isn't just check marks, but it's a relationship And he's more concerned about having you than you doing all the perfect things. And see that really helped me because I was that's what I was thinking I was thinking if I read my Bible if I go to church now I read my Bible all the time every day I go to church every time the doors are open unless I'm on vacation I have ever since I've been saved I, I don't miss church but still I don't do that because I'm making a check mark to say that I'm spiritual I do that because of my gratitude because of what he says about me and he declares me righteousness he imputes his righteousness to me he's handed me all things to life and godliness. It tells us the scripture does. He's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness to live out this Christian life. And out of gratitude, I serve him. See, I don't believe in penance. Penance means that when and that's where a lot of people are stuck in. They think we have to pay God back for what he did penance is is that I need to make things right so they're so sometimes if they're not careful it'll be that idea that I'm going to church because I need to pay back God for what he did I'm going to go give to the needy and feed people in the soup kitchen if you will to pay back God for what he did I'm going to read my Bible because I owe something to him hey that's penance that's trying to make up for something that's happened in the past that's trying to give him a gift I don't I don't live this Christian life I don't go to church I don't read my bible I don't tithe to pay God back. God doesn't need paid back. He paid it all. I do it out of a gratitude, out of a deep conviction in my heart that says, because you love me and you did this for me, it's changed me. And I'll forever worship and serve you out of the internal motivation. That's my strength. That's my that's how I get through the day because that's how I can get through the accusations. You know, you can never please people. You can't please people, but it says that those who come to God in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, must come to God and believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Think about that, that not only that he is all who he says he is, he's the great I am, but he is also a rewarder. So I get to go to him trusting that it's grace that I shall receive because he's going to reward me. Why? Not because of penance and I'm paying him back and I got to settle the score. Friends, you don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough years. If you live to be 10,000 years old, you could never pay God back for what he did for you and what he did for me. But the truth is, I go to him out of gratitude and I go to him in faith and just receive that reward, that grace that pours out into my heart and overflows out to other people. Friends, when I go to help people, I see people that are in need weekly And they're in need. And when I go to them, I'll I'll look into their eyes and they'll be in need and they'll be desperate, maybe of a meal, maybe desperate of a motel room. Maybe they're desperate because they're bound in addiction and the devil's destroyed their life. And you know what I do? I look at them and you know who I see? I see me. I see someone that needs the recipient of grace. I don't see them as a burden and as a problem, but if God is working in my heart and I'm where I need to be, I see that person in need and I see them that they are just in such need of something. They're in need of the grace of God. Friends, that's where we are. We're in desperate need of the grace of God, and I pray that you stay there. I pray that you realize that it's by grace you're saved through faith, not by faith through grace, But by grace, God found you. He found where you were. He sought you out. And when he found you, he arrested you there. And when you saw him and saw that he died for you, you received him. And his righteousness was imputed to you by faith. And the faith was in that work that he did on the cross. And that's how we live our Christian life. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you, but not only good to you, but changes you. That's my prayer, that you become internally motivated by grace, through faith. God bless you, friends. Hope you have a wonderful week.